everyone, Carla here recording at home with Iman. Hi guys! And you're listening to Screensaver, a podcast about all things pop culture, including TV, movies, books, and sports. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the long-awaited miniseries revival of Gilmore Girls titled Gilmore Girls, A Year in the Life. The show was released in its entirety on Netflix around Thanksgiving weekend, so if you haven't seen it yet and are planning on it, go check it out now. There will be spoilers in our discussion. For the rest of you, let's just dive right in. Iman, give me a quick summary about what Gilmore Girls is all about. Gilmore Girls came out in 2000 and endured seven seasons, so it's hard to imagine anyone could be wholly ignorant of this show. But in case that's you, Gilmore Girls is a story about Lorelai, our protagonist, and her daughter Rory, whom she had at the age of 16. They live in this small, idyllic town called Stars Hollow. Lorelai, having rebelled from her parents as a teen, owns the town's bed and breakfast. Rory is a star student that everyone in the town adores for some reason, and both spend weekly dinners with Lorelai's wealthy parents, who fund Rory's ritzy schooling. The show is known for its rapid dialogue, its debate-sparking boyfriends, and its quirky cast of townies, and has gained a resurgence in popularity after being added to Netflix a couple years ago. Alright, so fast forward to today. A revival has been rumored for, what, a year now? Yeah, that sounds right. And on November 25th of this year, four hour-and-a-half-long mini-movies titled Winter, Spring, Summer, and Fall were released on Netflix. The series takes place ten years after the season seven finale and has since incited a flurry of conversation, nostalgia, and, yeah, hate. Yes, the reaction has been really interesting to watch and will be a lot of fun to unpack, but why don't we just start off by focusing on our own thoughts on the show? Now that we've had a few weeks to digest, I thought we could walk through what we like, what we don't like, some takeaways regarding the show and the public reaction, and then wrap things up with a speed round. Sound good? Sounds perfect. Let's talk like Gilmore's to get through it all in one episode. (laughs) Okay. So we watched Gilmore Girls A Year in the Life over Thanksgiving break together, and um, I think right off the bat we can say there are a lot of things we liked. And our first topic of discussion is probably going to surprise a lot of people because she was a character that, you know, sparked a lot of controversy. Let's yes. talk about Rory and what we liked about her. Oh my gosh. Rory. Uh, gloves off. First thing I loved about Rory in the series, I loved knowing that I was right about her being a terrible human being. <laughs> I guess that's not something I loved about her, but more about her existence in this. So much of the original Gilmore series, I feel, took for granted the fact that Rory was super smart, super kind, super dedicated. But in rewatching it more recently, I feel that we were never really given evidence of that. That's interesting. The more that we've aged or just rewatched the series, our opinion of Rory has shifted from one of, oh yeah, like she's someone that everyone can identify with, 
to one of just saying, okay, this white girl with her privilege and her entitlement need to get out of here. Yeah, I mean, anyone who is surprised at the fact that Rory would be a bad journalist, a bad friend, and even an adulterer who reeks of privilege clearly didn't pay much attention to Rory during the show's original run. The fact of the matter is, the show never shied away from showing Rory as an extremely flawed individual, so it was surprisingly refreshing, yet still disturbing, to see the uglier side of her character continue to remain ever-present. Yeah, and I think one thing about the original series is, you're right, it never shied away from showing her as this flawed individual. However, there were never really any repercussions to her just kind of skating through life. She drops out of Yale, she goes back, Mm -hmm. she cheats with a married man, he breaks up with her, nothing happens. So... In a sense, I actually really did enjoy seeing her 10 years later. This, Her being a hot mess, which she is in at this point in the series, she doesn't really have a stable job. She doesn't have underwear, as she repeats several times. Uh, it, so bad. There really was a sense of satisfaction for me. And I think even for people that aren't quite as hateful as I am, (laughs) I think there is something to be said about the fact that this show does show the reality of Rory's struggle and thereby the reality of a lot of millennials' struggles nowadays. Mm -hmm. Uh, Rory's individual instances of success in this show, I mean, she does reference a New Yorker piece that she wrote and that was successful. At the end of the original Gilmore series, she had started working on the Obama campaign. Yeah. That obviously didn't pan out. I did like seeing that for any millennial, a single instance of success does not guarantee you a happily ever after career. That's kind of the world we live in now. Right. It's project-based work and whatever. So it was It was kind of cool to see the show acknowledge that. It was also weird to see them acknowledge that through the existence of what the show called the 30-something gang. Do yes. you remember them? They yeah. were a group of kids that lived in the town of Stars Hollow who all graduated from college and then moved back home. Yes, and there was also a group called the Parents of the 30-something Gang, which would exchange resumes. I think it was very telling of our of our moment. I wonder if this will ever feel dated. Um, yeah, in the sense that we live in a we live in a time where parents are playing a really integral role in the lives of their now somewhat adult kids, just yeah. because of our current financial climate. One thing I will say, though, I mean, did we like the depiction of them? Because to me, it, it did make the writers feel a little out of touch mm-hmm. and just really tone deaf because it kind of felt, to me, something that is more true to life is the 20-something gang. A lot of us are still figuring things out. But the way that they showed all of them almost oafish, like, oh, let's go for milkshakes, like, doing stupid yeah, things together. scenes from There Will Be... Yeah, and there will be blood. Let's the way that they showed them skipping around town and Rory being fighting tooth and nail not to hang out with these kids. It just 
It was interesting. And I mean, you asked the question. No, I didn't like the depiction. I I agree with you. I think it made the writers seem out of touch. And I think knowing a little bit more about the writers helps me form this opinion because they don't have kids. And it's really obvious they don't. Um, yeah. Amy Sherman Palladino and her husband. Yeah. So while I, I did enjoy the reality of a struggle being around, especially through the character of Rory, I didn't like the way that they were showing even now she's above everyone else because mm-hmm. her struggle isn't dopish the way that everyone else is. I mean, we set out trying to find good things about Rory, but fact is she's kind of irredeemable. I say we move on to the highlights of this series revival, which uh-huh. were for me, Lorelai and Emily. Yeah, that's right. Okay, so Lorelai and her mother Emily. I love this relationship even throughout the entire original series run. I thought it was really realistic in the sense that they have their ups and downs, but they're also astonishingly similar, Mm -hmm. which probably really frustrates both of them whenever they get into an argument or something. I really prefer their relationship and almost frenemyship. Mm Mm-hmm. I prefer that over Rory and Lorelai's la-di-da, like, oh, we're best friends, we eat marshmallows together. Right. So, something we should mention is their relationship was strained throughout the entire original series run, and one of the major factors holding them together was the patriarch of the show, which was Richard Gilmore. He, uh, the actor who plays him, passed away recently before they could film this. So they wove that storyline into the storyline of the revival series. Yes. And one of the things I really liked about this was the fact that the relationship between Lorelai and Emily did not become magically better now that Richard had died. Yes. They definitely took pains to express the fact that the grievances that existed when Lorelai ran away from home and had this child, which are the original problems between her mother and herself, weren't just wiped away because, oh, tragedy brought us together. So as I mentioned, we all know the strained relationship between Lorelai and Emily was one of really the deepest emotional storylines of the show. And I really, really enjoyed seeing this come to a complete arc. The character development and the acting by Lauren Graham and Kelly Bishop were nothing short of excellent. Richard's death, as sad as it was, really for me served as a worthy catalyst for the creation of this revival series itself, specifically because it exposed so many of the remaining issues between Emily and Lorelai. I couldn't agree more. To me, this made the revival worth it because Mm -hmm. that was one storyline that never really got resolved Mm -hmm. in the the show's ending with a whimper instead of a bang. And I think one of the best examples of especially Emily Gilmore's storyline reaching a complete arc Mm -hmm. was seeing her, this is just a, a random detail, but seeing her at her last DAR meeting 
Yes, it's which the DAR being Daughters of the American Revolution, which is a very posh country club esque group that Emily is a part of. Yes, and it was a major part of her life in the original series. Yeah, so here, you know, she she basically just cussed out the whole DAR. Yeah, and called team. everybody out on being phonies and. Here we see a woman that had been so invested in the original series and keeping up pretenses and doing everything that was proper and she was ashamed or there was tension between her and her daughter because her daughter did the improper thing of having a kid when she was 16. Mm -hmm. Here you see her completely flipping that on its head and calling out, pardon our French, but the bullshit, as she says, (laughs) that was going on at these DAR meetings and just seeing her take that stand and also just flourish as an individual because before we got the sense that she was keeping up pretenses for Richard and now that he's gone she's moving on with her own life in a almost poetic sense it's just like yeah becoming her own person and Mm -hmm. his death was not in vain if that makes any sense it was cool to see her not fall apart yes okay so obviously in terms of character development, Rory we sucks. Emily's great. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but another really fun thing with this revival was the whole where are they now concept. Mm-hmm. I mean, we got to see the return of so many secondary characters, and there are quite a few in this show. That, to me, was one of the appeals of the original Gilmore series. The fact that there are so many tertiary characters or secondary characters mm-hmm. that hating Rory, even when I'm rewatching it now, isn't that big an issue because there are, we have, we have Terrace, we have Doyle, we have Jess, Luke, Babette, Miss Patty, all these townies and classmates that were one of the funnest parts of the original series and the Definitely. I mean, regardless of their storylines or whether or not I wished some um, Jess particularly were in the episodes a little longer. (laughs) It just felt so great to see these characters interacting with one another again. We probably don't have time to get into the backstories of explaining who each of these characters were, but Paris's storyline really felt true to her character. I do hope she and Doyle get back together, though. Yes. They were, I mean, they were probably stronger soulmates than anyone else in this show. Yeah. Um, th- I l- also love the not-so-subtle references to Doyle and Suki's real-life successes. Those yeah. Those were fun. Which is the... I can't remember the actor's name, but he writes for Empire now. Mm-hmm. He was a writer in this series. Yeah, Suki. Danny Strong. Yes, yeah, Suki, who's Melissa McCarthy, is super successful and never around. <laughs> and, I mean, even seeing the return of a character like... Dean. Rory's first boyfriend. Yes, played by Jared Padalecki. He's very good looking now. It led to a very (laughs) sweet moment. So there were tons of cameos from unexpected guests and fans of the show as well. And all of them felt like great fan service. Yeah, it definitely felt like they were little things that didn't take away or distract from what was going on. Mm -hmm. But this is a show made for the fans. It came back for us, and it's cool to see them kind of give subtle nods to that. Definitely. Okay, so there was a lot to love, but there was 
also a lot we didn't like about the series. There was more to hate than just <laughs> Rory, believe it or not. Let's dive in to more of the things we didn't like. Ugh, the fun part. Okay. <laughs> First, diversity. It's a big thing in 2016. <laughs> and in this show, my god. There I think that it took two forms. So I'm going to break my argument uh just my complaints about diversity in this show into two. First, it was sloppily handled. Second, straight up offensive. Okay, so I think we should give a little bit of backstory into the original series and how there it suffered from an extreme lack of diversity. Yes, so the original show, I mean, it t- it's a show that takes place in Connecticut and... Mm-hmm. I've never been to Connecticut, but based on this show, it is a very white place. And, I mean, there were maybe one or two black characters in the entire series. Mm -hmm. It was definitely not something that was paid much attention to. And part of it is okay, that was the time. But secondly, it was almost excessively whitewashed. Yes. But things changed in the the series revival. And I think that might have been because so many people complained in rewatching the show Mm -hmm. that there was no diversity. But, as I said, I think it was sloppily handled here. It seems like casting got a memo to diversify because we would see so many extras, especially at uh, Rory's ritzy school. You see Indian kids walking past, black kids walking past. It almost felt extra. Uh Uh-huh. The extras were extra. It was almost too obviously diversified. There are scenes where it just felt like they were filling a quota. Mm-hmm. I mean, when was Chilton ever that brown? Yeah. Uh, but it simultaneously felt like while the casting was more diverse, the writers took the memo to diversify and just threw it in the garbage because characters with speaking roles that were of diverse origins were basically non-existent. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like a lot of the the writing was contemporary, but the political correctness of it was that of someone with an early 2000s mentality grappling with the current climate. I mean, one storyline, this doesn't have so much to do with race, but just in terms of... Uh, for instance, there was one in in the original series, everyone speculated that there were certain gay characters. It was never drawn attention to. There was a lot of homophobia in the original mm-hmm. ones. Here, there was a scene where they were straight up talking about having to import gays to have a gay parade. Yeah, gay pride parade. Uh, that was very awkward. There was another part in, uh, speaking of religions, there was one part where they're all giving a, giving a pledge and... At the end of the pledge, they're all told to say, I swear to God or Allah or Buddha or whoever it is you pray to. Yeah, it felt like... Begrudging. Yes, exactly. That's the right word. It felt like the writers were frustrated with the fact that people were frustrated with the lack of diversity in the show's original run. And they were throwing this back in everyone's faces. Like, fine, you want diversity? Well, there are no gays here, so we'll have to import gays. Yeah. Or, oh, okay, I swear to God. Or, oh, I can't say God, so I'll throw an Allah or Buddha or whoever. It just felt... 
It was like so you said, it was too extra. It was sloppy and it was extra. But yes. that I can stomach. There was some stuff that just felt straight up offensive where I don't want to be... <sighs> I don't want to be PC police or someone that's so touchy about this stuff. I don't usually feel like I am, but there were just some parts that felt icky. Yeah. I mean, apart from the gay parade and talking about religions and insensitive tones, if we just look at the straight casting, I mean, there was a housemaid. Mm-hmm. At Emily's house. And one of the running gags in the original series is that Emily can't hold down a maid. Yes. And in this series, we see she has one maid all throughout that is of supposedly ambiguous descent. Mm -hmm. She is played by the same actress that plays the town's mechanic. She is of Peruvian descent, I think. Yeah, Rose Abdu. Yeah. And one of the few ethnic characters in the original series they bring in the second ethnic character, who is a maid, mind you, and they get they can't bother finding another actress, and mm. they all keep making references to the fact that her language is made up. Indiscernible. Indiscernible. If you look at the Netflix captions, it says, speaking Berta's language. It was Spanish! Yeah. It was, it was Spanish a, a with weird a thick Spanglish, accent. Uh, hybrid. And then... On top of that, she's a maid. She's speaking a, oh, we can't understand her language. And then the family keeps multiplying. She yeah. brings cousins. And it's like, that's one of the running gags. Like, oh, look at how big her family is. All of them are being employed by this one rich white woman. Yeah, yeah. It was... It, and none of them had lines. It was very uncomfortable to watch. And it seems like with this show, the moment you peel back the... The light comedic tones. There are really dark, deep problems. It's, yes, deep it is problems problematic AF. Yes. What gets me the most about the show's handling of diversity in this revival is that they were giving themselves a pat on the back for having finally included people. Mm-hmm. But the way that they did it just came from a perspective that was so narrow-minded as narrow-minded as the original series and it just it graded me the wrong way as well yeah to the point where it was it was distracting me from the plot of the series oh for sure and then another weird thing about this show is the strange pacing i know this probably has more to do with the fact that each episode was about 90 minutes long but parts of it really felt drawn out at times. And this was especially true with regard to the musical numbers. Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> there was one episode where half of it was in musical form. Yes, it felt so forced. I think the disjointed pacing also led to a lot of loose ends story-wise. It's definitely to blame. Yes, I mean, there was a mysterious letter Emily mentioned in a therapy session that Lorelai denies writing, and it was never brought up again. And then plot points like Rory writing a biography or taking over the Star's Hollow Gazette just come to a full stop. And for the entire first half of the show, they make it seem like Luke and Lorelai are going to have a baby, and nothing comes of that either. So overall, the pacing was just so all over the place. That it felt hard to remember where one episode started and the other one ended. And in the end, 
I felt like I was just left with a bunch of moments I really, really loved and a handful of ones I really disliked. I'd agree. Okay. And then our final gripe. I think we have to talk about the final four words. Oh my gosh. So the final four words of the series were something that had been kind of blown up into something of a legend or Mm -hmm. uh, just something that fans loved speculating over. Right. When Amy Sherman Palladino, the, the series creator, first pitched the idea, she had made claims that she had planned out the entire series down to the four last words. Yes. She knew what they would be. Although she did not get to direct the last, or direct or write the last season of the show. So... Yeah, due to contract negotiations, season... She was not a part of the creation uh, of the last season. So it was seen as this big tragedy that Gilmore Girls fans never got to hear her planned final four words so when they found out that the show was coming back and she was gonna write it we as a fan base were really excited about the fact that we would finally get to hear the last four words and there was so much speculation and it basically grew to the 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 part of the story that a lot of people were most anxious to watch Yes. I mean, some speculations that I had heard were things like, oh, another coffee, or I'll meet you at Luke's, or I'll see you next Thursday. All of these ideas were really just heartfelt, wrapping up tight ends lines. So let's share what the final four words were before we describe our opinion of them. What the final four, four words actually were, were mom... And then Lorelai said, yeah, I'm pregnant. And then Rory says, I'm pregnant. So predictable. So blasé. I mean, throughout the entire series, Lorelai made such an explicit point of trying to give Rory a different life than the one she had. She kept repeating over and over again that Rory was a smart girl. She would never get pregnant unexpectedly, mm-hmm. or she would not turn out to be a disappointment like she felt she was to her own parents. So to see Rory's fate kind of end up in the exact same place with zero set career prospects just a little later in her life is at best boring and at worst depressing. Also seeing the fact that the father almost certainly has to be Logan. A soon-to-be-married man. Yes. I mean, the parallels here to Lorelai and Christopher only deepen, making it seem like history is always destined to repeat itself. And here, maybe we'll even have a grown-up Jess, who I'll always argue is too good for Rory. Uh, will will continue to be pining for her and maybe just take the place of Luke as Luke was with Lorelai. It, it isn't right. It ain't right. <laughs> I know. It was... First of all, I agree with everything you've just said. I have heard a lot of people say that it's 
a completely different storyline in the sense that, yeah, she's 30 and to be pregnant at 30 isn't such a big deal. Mm -hmm. True. But as you said, she has zero career prospects. She has zero sense of what she's doing with her life. She's been impregnated by a guy that's soon to be married and obviously has no intentions of marrying I mean, we don't, we weren't told explicitly it was Logan, but we're making that assumption. Uh, it's Logan. <laughs> I don't think the writers are creative enough to think of someone else. This yeah. is just so... It felt like they were final four words that had been plotted out back when they thought that the series would end when she was 21. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, Amy Sherman Palladino was like, well, I'm going to do the same four words that I was planning anyway, even though it made absolutely no sense in the current context. Yeah. Uh, the last, the last few minutes of the show with Lorelai's half-wedding to Luke were so sweet. Yes. And then we just got the stupid four words. I hated it. I hated it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, we've been complaining a lot about the series, and I feel like this entire episode has mostly been us venting about our frustrations with it, but... You know, I think there... I've been really nice to it. <laughs> but there were positive aspects. Let's let's shift to some final takeaways. Sure. I mean, for me, yes. There was a lot to be frustrated or even angry about with this revival. But the bottom line is, the show has always had its problems, and this four-part series wasn't going to fix that. Gilmore Girls, A Year in the Life, was really enjoyable and moving at times, and those are the moments that will really stick with me the most. This is going to sound really corny, but to me, Stars Hollow isn't just a fictional setting. It's more like a state of being. It's a feeling of warmth and comfort, silly townies and sillier pop culture references. It's a feeling you want to return to time and time again, And having the opportunity to go back to that world was so much fun. Uh, The creators, like we mentioned, included so many Easter eggs and inside jokes that really rewarded the loyal audiences. And despite its flaws, I feel like overall I can say it was created with the best intentions and with a lot of heart. And I also know that I complained about the strange pacing issues, but... Having a four-episode return to Stars Hollow felt right to me. I enjoyed Mm -hmm. the format of the series' return because it felt unique enough not to be considered a full reboot and left much to be desired. So I didn't finish the series with a sense of regret. I left it wanting more, and, you know, all credit to the writers, I think that's a major accomplishment. Very true. I mean, if you look at things like Fuller House, there are revivals that have definitely tanked. And this one, even I'll admit, was not terrible. I did enjoy it um, pretty yeah, thoroughly I mean, the fact that we had so much to complain about meant there was... There was emotional investment here. Yes, exactly. Uh, in a sense, I've genuinely enjoyed the think pieces, speaking of things that we didn't like following its release. I mean, both in praise of and criticizing the writing, the production, it feels like no matter what I feel about the series, it galvanized the fan base in such a way where everyone was talking about it again. And that was really fun to me. I mean, we do 
we are invested in these characters enough to care about whether or not they turn into terrible human beings <laughs> or not. And I've enjoyed it all. Okay, so let's switch gears a little and just do a series of speed round questions to finish off That's our thoughts on the series. Overall, do you think the storyline was worth them bringing back the series in this capacity? Like, was the story good enough for them to create this whole Gilmore Girls A Year in the Life? Rory's, no. But so worth it for Emily's Mm storyline. Getting to see her grappling with a death in the family and seeing Lorelai as well grappling with the death in the family, that to me felt good. And I did enjoy, as we mentioned earlier, getting to see where a lot of people were, even if it wasn't exactly where I wanted them to be. Yeah. No, I agree. And I did feel a sense of satisfaction between the Luke and Lorelai relationship, which we didn't get at the end of the original series run. Yeah. So... You mentioned in your series recap that the boyfriends were a large part of the show. Yes. And all three of Rory's major boyfriends growing up were brought back to some extent. How did we feel about how they were brought back? Let's start with Dean, who was her first boyfriend in uh-huh. season one, right? Yeah. I, they, it was a casual run-in at a grocery store. He was in it for one scene, one episode. We check in, get to hear that he's having a great life. Mm -hmm. Rory sucks. (laughs) It was perfect. Okay. I liked that one a lot, even if it felt a little mushy. Yeah, a little cheesy because they, they met in the place where they shared their first kiss. Yeah, and Rory gets very emotional in the sense of you were a great boyfriend (laughs) (laughs) jess just swoops back into town like the fantastic haired milo that he is yeah i liked him too i I was kind of sad that he was back just because i care so much about his character and didn't want to see him in this world (laughs) well didn't he come back he came back to for see Luke. Luke. Yeah, I did like that. I liked him too. He he definitely matured as a character with time. He matured as much as Logan obviously regressed. We see him schmoozing it up with his parents in country clubs, and for Logan to be back in it as much as he was, that felt bad to me. Yeah, he's probably the only one, the one I was the most dissatisfied with, but. Granted, the show gave me the most opportunity to be dissatisfied with him because he was in it basically every episode. Mm -hmm. So we talked about the final four words. It kind of leaves the door open for the opportunity to continue the series. Mm -hmm. Would you watch a new Gilmore series? Of course I'd watch it. (laughs) I don't know if I'd enjoy it. Yeah. I don't know if I want it. What do you think? Uh, I kind of feel the same way I felt about this series. Like, I was, you know, satisfied with the ending, I guess, of the original series run. I was more nervous that they would mess things up and soil the the 
connection I have with this show, but it didn't disappoint overall. So I feel like if they had the opportunity to do something similar, of course I'll watch it. I'm not sure it's as necessary as it was the first time around because the writers weren't a part of the final season of the original series. Yeah, well put. It would be vaguely welcome, but not necessary. Yes. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode of Screensaver. If you have any thoughts on Gilmore Girls or Gilmore Girls A Year in the Life, we'd love to hear them. You can reach us by following us on Twitter at ScreensaverPod and by liking our Facebook page, Screensaver Podcast. And as always, you can find other episodes of Screensaver on iTunes. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.